Welcome to Embody the Evolution podcast, a podcast to explore conversations on how we can embody the evolution of who we need to become so that we can live sustainably in co-creation and in connected spirituality. Hi, I'm Kat. I like to dance like a sunflower. And I'm Leslie. I like riding my bike and feeling the wind in my hair. Thank you so much for joining us. So welcome. I'm looking forward to this chat, Kat. This is going to be fun, I think. Well, fun. I don't know if that's the right word, but we'll see where it goes. Um, could be enticing. Wanna... I think it yes. could be. Yes. Let's go with that. Um, so we wanted to talk today about the patriarchy stress disorder. Um, so did you want to give a little bit of an um, overview, some thoughts you had um, of the book? before we get started? Yeah, that'd be great. So we're talking about Dr. Valerie Rain's uh, book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder. Um, she wrote this, I'm trying to think, when, when when did she write this? Recently, right? In the last few mm -hmm. years? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it came out two years ago. Okay. And I think for me, I picked up this book and it was like, I was so familiar with everything she was writing. I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go near it. <laughs> so it's one of those <laughs> kinds of books where she talks a lot about trauma and this hidden layer that so many women successful that are basically hitting these walls that she's been a psychologist working with these women for decades. And after 15, 20 years of research, she found that they all had the same invisible barrier that they were up against. And she named the term patriarchy stress disorder because it was subconscious trauma that was hard to navigate just by the surface level circumstance. You couldn't explain why they weren't feeling good or why they were having adrenal fatigue and a hormonal imbalance and losing sleep. And even though everything was actually lining up they want the way they wanted in their career. Mm -hmm. So... That's a little bit about her book. And I like that she said it's a, for men and women, but then I'm reading the book and it's for women. A lot of the exercises. Yeah. It's, it's more um, aimed at women, I think, in terms of helping them with their patriarchy, patriarchy stress disorder. But um, in terms of understanding maybe the um, impacts, maybe that's why she had suggested it was also for men as well. But it actually reminds me of um, this thing that I heard recently, and now I wish I could actually remember it more articulately, but um, it, it was this notion that, you know, Black women, Black people um, uh, were suffering at, of a higher rate of um, actually anxiety and, and stress um, when they initially just thought, oh, we're, uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, i something around like, I just am not uh, working hard enough or something like that. And it's this notion there of, of I guess, um, really addressing that patriarchy is, 
kind of really at the center of that um, anxiety and stress and not just um, this feeling of needing to work harder. And so it was um, undiagnosed at a higher rate in black people. Right. And I, I don't know if it connected directly to this, but the idea of microaggressions and that, that term, have you heard that term before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she talks a lot about microaggressions and how it's like so many different moments that then add up to your life is just, you're at a higher level of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've seen this recently, but there's like these five states of our nervous system. You know, if you think about the polyvagal nervous nerve, um, main nerves that run through the body and which state of being your nervous system is in. And recently I've seen like beyond just the fight, flight, or freeze, this shifting and attaching state that um, more psychologists are talking about. But I bring that up with the microaggression and what you're talking about with this invisible barrier of the constructs. Like we consistently use that word here. You always use that word. It's a shorthand word to say there are multiple factors, inherited influences from ancestry and from family systems and from societal systems at play. And, you know, we could go back to our initial discussion with Morgana about this, right, to help ground that. So if you hadn't listened to that one, that's a really good one to understand what we're talking about here. So. Mm. Um, so I wanted to ask you more specifically, I guess, around um, your experience with this book and maybe why why there was some hesitancy to actually go into it um, because of your own pre- previous experiences or um, because of your own um, journey in terms of having processed some of the, the, the material that she was already talking about. Um, yeah, did you want to kind of walk us through that a little bit? Because I think that'd be interesting. It's a little bit of my challenge with how I read. I read based on content, not based on cover to cover. I've always read like that, unless it's a, an artist or a poet. I can't read cover to cover. It's, so this is a little bit of you're learning more about Kat's reading style. but um, <laughs> And that's how I get through books so quickly because I read through the content and then I absorb the, the whole basis of that piece of content and then I compare it with other things I'm reading at the same time. So I'll be reading three or four books at the same time literally in the same sitting I'll have them and then comparing notes on them so when I compared notes between this one and healing collective trauma by Thomas Hubble what I was noticing is for me wanting to go to the depths of the trauma work uh, in community Mm, yeah and so for me there was a stopping point in the book and I really wanted it to keep going but it goes to Dr. Valerie you know, bless her work and all that she does and all that she brings. But I wanted for me and my personal practice and the ways that I deal with patriarchy is through community. So Thomas Hubble's work aligns to my values there. Doesn't mean like she's amazing for so many individuals. And I think if I had her three years ago, it would have aligned with me then more Mm -hmm. so than now. So it's more of a personal preference, and I'm not trying to say it's like a platter you choose. This, for me, is just like, this is necessary reading for me still. And so I did read through most of it last night, and I pulled out some quotes. I wanted to pull out one that I thought was really resonant to my journey. Um, yeah. 
and where I felt an embodied experience when I read the book, meaning like I read this part of the book and I was like, I was there. I know Mm -hmm. what this feels like. So I'll share the passage. Uh, It's page 177. When we emerge, when we emerge from tunneling out of the prison, and when she says tunneling, she means that you're going into your shadow work, into the pieces of yourself you've disowned or just left behind because you've been serving others and been in a masculine role or been in a masculine behavior. And the prison being the patriarchy stress disorder. So when we emerge from tunneling out of the prison, we're tasked, we're tasked with learning to savor freedom, savor Mm. freedom. Our eyes need to adjust to the bright light and vibrant colors of the world on the outside. Our system needs to learn to digest, assimilate, and metabolize the delicious feast that life has prepared for us. The energetic channels that have been blocked by unprocessed trauma now cleared and open. Now, granted, I feel like that's an ongoing thing. I don't think I'm yeah, cleared and open at all. No, it's not on one and done, right? Like, yeah. yeah. But they need to strengthen and dilate. I love her word there, dilate. They need to pulsate mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. run more energy of the full spectrum of authentic emotions. Our whole being gets recalibrated to the new reality as we unlearn the game of how much can I bear? How much more can I do? And master the game of how good can it get? Mm. I love that. that. Those last two questions, I was like, yeah, it's not how much can I bear? I can, I can get through this. I can do this. It's how good can it get? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. It's just so, it's such a great way to describe, um, just the challenge it is actually to be free and to be in that in, in total um, embodied wholeness because it is, there are so many constant messages we get and reminders of um, the prison, if that's the analogy we're using here. Um, there's just constant pressures and and it's hard to kind of um, remember or even imagine that there is a bigger, more delicious possibility beyond those um, those constructs and those confines, right? Because we are getting so many reminders on a daily basis um, about it. And I think that's why I wanna come back to this idea about in, being in community that um, I really like too in, in, in what you are saying about how, what you needed to, um, to do in terms of processing it. Because I, I, as much as I also really liked the book itself too, um, you know, I, th- I thought that the exercises were um, were great, but again, same thing. I kind of felt like I kind of got the gist of it, but I wasn't um, grabbing onto the exercises as much because I'd also done um, some other work and in community too, which um, I just found was uh, really nourishing, you know, uh, to be part of community and um, being able to process in that way. So, so I was wondering if you could share your experience with working with your shadow in respect to um, your situation around burnout um, and how you were ex- directly experiencing this um, PSD. <laughs> in yeah. That yeah. So I had started doing more body-based practice with Reggie Ray in your breathing body and it's a lying down practice. And I started going into the body and getting scared 
and I needed a way to describe some of my feelings. And the nonviolent communication book, I had a great list of feelings in there and it wasn't enough. So I started listening to Carolyn Miss and I was like, okay. And I first looked at the archetypes themselves and I was like, okay, this is actually, I feel something in my body when I read this. So I was just Mm -hmm. like hearing in my body, like just keep reading. And so I just started to trust that. Yeah. That it was waking. spoke to you sort of. Yeah. Yeah. It was waking something up. Yeah. And that's my clue. Like, that this resonates is I feel something in my body. Other people might be different. They hear, or they see, or um, so it was a clue that I was on the right track. I'm a longstanding Buddhist practitioner. And so the practice there is to move away from suffering and to look at what's called Vedana of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and start to detach those practices, when they weren't embodied, imprinted more of the trauma I was having with the PSD, more mm-hmm. of the prison. Because I was in my head and I was just like Dr. Valerie talks about, I was living out that trauma with a strong disconnection between my head and my body, my mind and my body. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just sitting there thinking in meditation, like, and saying an affirmation that's against what your nervous system is feeling, you're actually making it worse. So I was numbing my experience more and more and more. So I realized how numb I had become and how much I was starting to get anxiety, overwhelm, and um, working on these really long hours and just getting so much. I did breath work and yoga practice regularly. So the things that... Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, that's just interesting because it's almost like detachment in, like, I don't know, the the opposite way or, or of what it's intended to be like, or, you know, detachment in numbness and rather than in, in um, you know, I don't know, introspection or whatever it is. Yeah. Rather than in neutrality or, mm-hmm. yeah, introspection, contemplation, like you're saying, like, actually to be present for it. Mm-hmm. But it was like I didn't have access to feeling emotions. And I was losing access through my spiritual practice, not actually gaining. Ac- they were doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. So even though she says that breath practice worked with that man, it was making it worse for me. I needed a different tool. Yeah. So ar- archetypes was a different tool because I've been at that time meditating nine years and it wasn't working Mm, that's that's really interesting and so that actually brings me uh, to another question and um i'm wondering if you think that the archetype work is more of the advanced kind of uh maybe tools to use when you're first experiencing this patriarchy stress disorder if if some of the exercise that valerie describes in her book are more the um are are maybe the easier ones to start with or um like Like what did you think in terms of entry like an entry point more accessible yeah Yeah. well I guess for me a big part of it is like what interests an individual so Mm. if psychology really interests somebody or 
like latching on to, do you really enjoy breath work? Do you really enjoy the fantasy of the metaphor of the jail and what that, like, do you really understand that and you get that? So it's, mm-hmm. I think it's whatever people gravitate towards. So if they're leaning towards that metaphor, archetypes might be huge for them. Right. Yeah. For me, I think it was a secret passion. I didn't know I really was into that. And I was like, this is going to work for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I like that because I think that's what's so interesting in this whole exploration as we start to unpack this um, all these uh, constructs that we're living in and, um, you know, what we're calling patriarchy stress disorder, um, you know, it takes, it takes time and it takes practice and also it takes a variety of different tools and approaches, whatever resonates for people. Um, I can imagine that initially if it's so uncomfortable to be in your body, just even breath work would be hard maybe or um, something that's just the most approachable versus, um, you know, if you're jumping straight into talking about um, working with crystals or archetype or, or whatever it is, these other kind of um, tools that could be used um, to unpack that trauma. I, I think that, um, yeah, I think that's what's so um, great about how we can, how there are a number of different ways to sort of unpack that and start to start to sink into our own bodies start to reconnect there so um yeah you're reminding me of you know these times when i'd sit in meditation all quiet you know and you look around the room and everyone's there and you know this is years back before archetypes before burnout like think like you know nine years ago and i'm sitting there and then all of a sudden my breath goes And I'm gulping and it's like, I'm really, really rest, kind of like, what are, what am I doing here inside? It feels like that. Mm. And deepening my breath made it worse, made it worse. And what I mean by that, it was like, it wouldn't actually help me to get more content or comfortable or safe or relaxed or in my body. It didn't help with any of those things. Because there were some thoughts and some blocked emotions, blocked, I would say, like the channel wasn't open enough. It hadn't dilated enough for me to actually take a full breath and actually calm the nervous system. It wasn't actually Mm. opening the channel Mm -hmm. those times. Yeah, that's so interesting. And that just kind of points to this idea of like, it's a journey. It's a bit of um, creating a practice of whatever um, tools or whatever um, processes or modalities help you to connect with that. And so I wanted to talk a little bit now about just before we kind of wrap up or whatever, but um, just talk a little bit about what this, what dilation looks like, you know, when, when, um, Valerie was talking about that, just like, what does dilation look like? And, you know, how do we keep opening and, and um, you know, creating that that uh, freedom or the attachment to freedom or that, like, ability to live in freedom? What are your thoughts? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> well, I'm bringing a question that I believe is a dilation question to a community of people around a fire for the full moon tonight. And the question mm-hmm. is, how do you create space and how do you get support to do that? 
Mm. And I didn't come up with that question on my own. So for me, dilation means that you're co-creating. And so Chris came up with the last part of that question. And then she's going to lead half of a breath exercise. And then someone else is going to drum and someone else is going to dance. And so that the mixture of a fabric for me creates a larger pulse of dilation just because there's more color, there's more energy, there's different ways of seeing it and bringing to it. I want to know yours, though. I want to know yours. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I just I just love what you um, shared because I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's this notion of community and connecting with others and seeing others um, express and be in their wholeness and in freedom um, provides a bit of um, not just inspiration, but I think it's just some... Um, I don't know possibility some like um the the idea of this possibility of what's 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 possible for me as well so um I think it is very much for me it's it's being um in community with a group of people that I've um just really have really appreciated the the safe space we've created to share with one another um and the the deepness that we go to so that's one thing that I um that we talked about is just this appreciation of like being able to go deep with somebody and um really dig into um maybe all of the pieces that have created the the um the the prison that we see or the like you know the environment that we're in um because I I am not somebody who can have that superficial interaction so I've really um, you know, appreciated sharing with, with community and having it, um, you know, a regular, regular place I can go to, um, for that. Yeah. Um, I think that it's powerful what you're sharing because the depth that you're going to, like you said, and I imagine I'm adding words now to what you said, but it's stretching, stretching you, like you're sharing things you wouldn't normally share with your relationships because of that depth. And that's like truly a dilation where it's like you're learning a a different pulse of life, how it feels to be this connected to those in your life. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's this shifting of our way of being and how we're interacting with others around us that, that offers that, um, that offers that possibility for others. And that, and that is the shift that we're talking about. So it's not necessarily like uh, doing something specific or advocating for specific, like, you know, structural systems change. It's changing the system by changing who we are and how we are with each other. Um, And those relationships that we need to be um, building or or changing. So yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for anyone else listening here, I would just highly recommend holding these practices with a small group of people or one person. Um, If you're taking something away from this conversation, going to pick up sacred contracts or any of these books, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't have to be big steps or small steps, one step in front of the other. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Kat. Yeah. Thank you.